you are Locked On Wild, your Minnesota Wild every day. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello, I am your host, Joe Booley of ZoneCoverage.com, and with me is Tony Abbott of The Athletic Minnesota. Tony, you went to the game against Florida, so how's it going? Oh, boy, man. That was, first of all, that was a fun game. That was an exciting game. Minnesota actually looked pretty good, I thought, during the whole thing of it. Like, I, I didn't think there was a, there was a part where they weren't either either dominating or, you know, at least, like, getting an even bunch of the play. Yeah. And, and yeah. to see that get ruined, uh, not just by goaltending, but just, just in the most heartbreaking way, controversial last-second goal. Uh, when that went in, my head just dropped back. I would have made such a good reaction gif if they had the cameras on me. Like my my neck went limp and my head fell backwards. You should have put that on Vine. Does that thing still exist? It does not. I don't yeah, think it's TikTok oh. now. Oh, is it TikTok? Okay. Anyways, uh, yeah, no, I'm with you. I thought the game was uh, incredibly entertaining. Uh, I know that the Wild ended up coming out of the losing side in a five to four affair with, like you said, a heartbreaking goal. But I was thoroughly entertained i thought this that game was was everything that you're looking for in a game it was back and forth i thought the wild played fast which hasn't been always a thing this season and uh you know they kind of answered the bell pretty much every single time until really they ran out of time they couldn't really answer that last goal because it came with only six seconds left so uh, i enjoyed the game i was thoroughly entertained and i guess when you're looking at expectations kind of for the whole season um I guess I'm trying to keep that in in perspective in that this game was really entertaining. Yeah, I mean, you definitely want to to be able to, even when your team is losing and not having a very good season, you want to at least like know that there's a chance when you get that ticket, when you plop down that uh, that hard earned money that the fans uh, plop down. And, and like, I'm not <laughs> saying I'm not saying anyone's money's not hard earned. I don't know. I just. Uh, I just felt like being sanctimonious, I suppose. Sure. Uh, we all work hard for our money. Like, I think that, uh, I think, yeah. I but don't. Joe, Joe doesn't. But, no, no. You know. I mean, I work, but it's not very hard. <laughs> yeah, he usually sneaks in the back. Hope Lumberg doesn't see him. <laughs> uh, I just but, stare at my desk, but it looks like I'm working. But you want, you want when you go to the game, right? You, you want to know that, you know, your team's going to show up and they're going to be there and they're going to be competitive and they're going to fight and you're you're going to have some cheers. And, and, and tonight's game did actually have that. Yeah, I thought uh, there was uh, some good drama and it's just one of those things like the team's got to win. I certainly would have not liked, I would have been afraid of going into overtime against the Florida Panthers team because of what they were able to do against the uh, the wild defenseman pretty much throughout the entire game. I don't know though. Their... I was really ready for it. I wanted to have some more fun. That I think that was kind of the the most disappointing thing. Like not even not getting the win or not getting the point, but like man, like just just getting to see some uh, some overtime on a night where Minnesota was really engaged and they were really playing fast. Yeah, and we could easily go negative on the bit. I certainly saw a lot of people on Twitter after the game get real negative of how pitiful of a loss it was, but. Uh, Florida's a pretty good team this year. They've got a really good coach. They've got a lot of speed and talent on that team. And um, maybe they're not necessarily Stanley Cup 
winners or contenders this year, but they've certainly are playoff contenders and they, uh, they've got some skill on there and maybe they're a, a player or two away, but um, I like where that Florida team is kind of heading. Um, so make no bones about it. The wild looked pretty competitive in a, uh, in a game that uh, was fast and, and that we can't say that about much. Yeah. We, we, yeah. We wouldn't be able to say that much this season about this team. Here's the thing, right? Sometimes you lose a good old-fashioned goalie duel, and that's what happened tonight. Sergei Bobrovsky and Alex Daylock took 10 paces, turned, fired, and and realized that their shotguns were Daffy Duck-like bent towards their faces, and and Alex Daylock's beak spun the most. <laughs> I guess, yeah, that's a good analogy to do it. Well, uh, we're going to go ahead and take our first break, and we'll get into some of the uh, the follow-up from the rest of this game as well. I know we want to talk a little bit more about that third line, which has been uh, a pretty good uh, a boon or a boost for this team pretty much for this entire season. So why don't we take our first break, and then we'll really dive into that. And, uh, yeah, I think that's I think that's a good time to break. So uh, check back with us on the other side of this break. You're listening to Locked on Wild. And welcome back to Locked On Wild. I'm Joe, your host. I'm with Tony. And uh, we're talking about the kind of the fallout of the Florida game. And uh, Tony, uh, did you know that there's a good new way or I guess there was an existing way, but now we're making it available to everybody to get a hold of us? Wow. I want to hear more. <laughs> we have a Locked On Wild. Email. Wow. I want to hear more. <laughs> Uh, so anyways, yeah, we, uh, wow. we have a, no, <laughs> <laughs> we have a locked on wild email. Uh, you can just go to locked on wild at gmail.com. And that's another way that you can get in touch with us. And it's a great way to send in your listener suggestions because, uh, we do that every Friday on the, on locked on wild here. We take your suggestions. We try to talk about those topics for our Friday episodes. Cause, uh, we want you to be a part of the show. Uh, I think it's a great way to uh, interact with with all of our listeners and and also uh, be able to talk about what you want to talk about. And you guys have a say on that. So not only can you reach us through Twitter like you have been, but uh, that LockedOnWild at gmail.com email you can send directly to our inbox. And we also take mailbag questions there as well if you want to go ahead and, and put a mailbag in. We usually run these on Tuesdays. We figured with the Monday game we'd push back the, uh, the mailbag another day. We'll... Uh, but we're we're going to be happy to take your mailbag questions there too. If you don't have Twitter, like that doesn't mean you can't get a hold of us. So, uh, yeah, make sure you email lockdownwild at gmail dot com, or you can just say hi. You can just say hi. We'll say hi back. We don't care. Drop us a line. Yeah. Uh, so back to the Florida game. Wild loss five to four in uh, aorta crushing kind of fashion with a a deflected puck that was uh, looked you know, borderline high stick uh, because it was called probably a goal on the ice. Boudreaux assumes that uh, they didn't have enough to overturn it. And Mm -hmm. had they called it no goal on the ice, maybe they probably wouldn't have overturned it then either. So Yeah, well, the referees all wanted to go before (laughs) everything on West 7th closed. Yeah. It's probably one of those situations, though, that they kind of were uh, beholden to the call on the ice, you know. Oh, yeah. yeah. The... um, what did you think of that? Did you think it was high or did you think it was was one of those uh, plays that uh, probably should have been uh, called how it was on the ice? It looked high to me, but it was also really borderline. And mm-hmm. I was from the very biased position 
of you know wanting to see overtime. So I might not uh, my my opinion might not be the best, but I I thought it looked a little high on the replays to me. But you know, like it happens too. His stick was also going up too, so I could see the argument where you know his stick was rising and it wasn't quite a high stick when the puck grazed it, mm-hmm. and it was only after that in the follow through where it got high. So yeah, I, yeah. I could have gone either way. Yeah, I don't know if you can count this one as an as a own goal. But it did look like Ryan Suter was actually lifting Noel Archiari's stick at the time, had his hand on it in a way to get that out of the way. And uh, it, it kind of doubled the flex and goes off the off the uh, Archiari stick and into the net for the game winner. Um, I know Archiari was kind of talking about like, no, 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 he was holding my stick and raising it up and that kind of thing. Like, I still think that regardless, if they decided to rule that it was a high stick, it's the fact that Suter was the one raising it doesn't negate that it was still a high stick. So um, they didn't go that way. And uh, again, the goal counted with about six seconds left to go in the, uh, in the game. Uh, but uh, yeah, just one of those weird fluke things that uh, ended up biting the wild and then kind of putting a real damper on what, like we talked about in the first segment, just a really, really fun game. Mamma mia, Noel Aptiari. <laughs> Uh, another point of contention is probably that fourth goal, the game tying goal uh, that um, that uh, Vincent Trocek had, and with just under five minutes to go in the third period, uh, the Minnesota Wild had rallied three times in this game to tie the game at three before Luke Cunning ended up scoring the go ahead goal. This is the first time the Wild led in the game, and. Uh, Trocek finally finds a way to sneak behind uh, Greg Patterson and Carson Soucy and finds us uh, some daylight in uh, Alex Daylock's five hole and uh, ties the game back up. Uh, what are your thoughts on that on that t- game tying goal? I gotta tell you, I was tweeting some dope memes from the stands when that happened, <laughs> so I didn't see the goal. <laughs> Uh, it wasn't quite so big that I thought you could drive a truck through it, but it looked pretty wide open to um, seem like Trocek just took advantage of Stalock, who was still trying to shift over and he didn't get his other pad down and ended up going underneath him. Um, certainly he, after the game was beating himself up. Certainly he wanted that one back. Uh, I know Boudreaux pretty much has said the same that, that the fourth one probably shouldn't have gone in. Yeah, I think I know Boudreaux he, wanted that back too. Yeah. And I think that he, um, was also kind of talking about how Patterson kind of was probably playing a little too far wide on that, where he should have been more in the middle of the ice to eliminate Trocheck getting so open at the blue line. Honestly, at this point, I don't know how many of those uh, those ones Boudreaux wouldn't want to have back. Well, it, you're right. His uh, he's a little questionable lately, isn't he? I guess, and and like I, I wasn't gonna talk about this now, but like we're on the topic, I guess. And uh, we might as well we might as well ask the question. But a heartbreaking loss like this uh, to coincide with uh, with the slide that uh, that was averted with a two game winning streak. But uh, back to uh, back to Heartbreak City. There's one more game until the All Star break against Detroit, which is in the toilet right now, dead last in the league and dead last by a, a large margin. At this point, we've seen goaltending victimize a lot of coaches so far, and I wonder. 
if going into the break they lose against Detroit after after this loss, even though, you know, I I don't agree that Boudreaux deserves the blame for, for a lot of this. Uh, but I, I gotta wonder, like, is Boudreaux in trouble if they don't beat Detroit on Wednesday? Well, the question is, what are you really trying to expect out of this season? I think prior to this this season, especially with the way the Wild ended last year and the way the the front office was shaken up for a second time in, in as many years uh, with the firing of Paul Fenton, I think, what was it, August or late July, something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, so your expectations are obviously, okay, yeah, I know what the front office was saying publicly that they want to make the playoffs, but realistically – there's a lot that needs to happen here for that, you know, a lot of stuff right to have happen for them to make the postseason. So are they, were you expecting the postseason? And if so, they're clearly not performing to that level. Yeah, Brudrow probably needs to go. But if you're just trying to play out the string and not have any owed money, and again, like that, that lineup snafu, if he survived that, I got to think that, He's probably safe unless unless that there's the coach out there that Bill Guerin says, okay, we got to get him in. He's the, he's now available. We have to bring him in now. That'd be the only caveat to that whole thing, right? Yeah, and I guess the other the other thing is, like, how are the fans going to turn on Boudreaux, which they have not. The fans have really been on Boudreaux's side for all of this. They were on Boudreaux's side overwhelmingly last year as, as the Wild circled the train. And uh, that is, like, that's got to be the first time, I feel like, in the history of, like, any coach where the fans are just like, I am ride or die with this coach, like, win or lose, yeah. like, this is our guy. And, uh, and, and I mean, I, I do think you really do get the sense that uh, that the fans are, you know, with Boudreaux. So I, I suppose, like, it, it's not going to get to a point where it's like, okay, well, you know, if they keep losing like this, like how can you say to your fans, come show up when we're not making a change? I don't think that's the case at all. I'm just interested in seeing what would happen in that scenario just because it, it sure seems like Boudreaux's nervous, at least from like the uh, the quotes that you got when he did the lineup snafu, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so... If he has these nerves, I'm wondering what's going on. You know, even in his post-game press conference after the Florida one, he was pointing out some mistakes, but it it did feel like, I'm not going to go quite as saying like, okay, it was almost Mike Yo-like, but it did feel like there was maybe a little more blame, maybe a little more exhaustion over these types of little things that happen. And certainly it comes right after a pretty crushing defeat. I think he all thought at least a point on that game, out of that game. Um, There's six seconds away from getting that point. Goaltending certainly didn't help, but you know, defensively too, that third pairing struggled. I thought a lot overall, I thought uh, even the third line, which uh, got on the board twice, I was expecting to see their their numbers really pop as being dominant, but they really weren't. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and like uh, the the kind of thing that bugged me all night was uh, was Rask on the second line, yeah, staying on the I, second line all night. Yeah, I I don't know if I get that part either. Uh, but you know, with Boudreaux, like the power play and, and the penalty kill has mostly suffered pretty much all season. Well, they got two power play goals tonight. 
and they also scored a shorthanded goal. I'm just curious. Um, are, are they making any headway on that? Because they were pretty successful against the stars on hockey day, Minnesota. Um, I think they also scored another power play goal or two against Tampa. So maybe they got a little hot here, hot streak going with the power play. The power play is nice, but that, uh, that penalty kill is still not really doing them any favors at all. No, they certainly did give up, uh, another power play goal. Um, I mean, they got one back. Anytime you can finish 500 on the penalty kill, that's not uh, mm-hmm. that's not uh, that's not bad. You know, when you're splitting the uh, the total goals there, but at the same time, like eh, I don't know, like it, uh, it it's something that I I guess I'm 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 interested in seeing play out. I'm gonna keep an eye on on that. Yeah, I mean, you bring up a big good point that there this long break here. And with Boudreaux, he's certainly seeming a little nervous. Um, I will be surprised if anything does happen, but I don't know if I'm going to say that I wasn't expecting something. Mm-hmm. So we'll keep we'll keep an eye on this as it goes through, and hopefully after the uh, the All Star Game break and also the bye week that follows it, that uh, Bruce Boudreaux is still around because. Uh, I, I do think he's been, uh, for the most part, he's kept his team afloat, and goaltending has mostly sunk him in the standings as well. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. That uh, that he's, I, I think he's in general, at least in terms of the team unit, has done a pretty good job of getting the most he can out of this team that's not particularly, you know, talented. That is aging. Uh, that does have awful goaltending, but at mm-hmm. uh, at the same time, like. I don't know. Like if you're if you're not moving forward, where where are you going? Right. Every time you think you're walking, you're just moving the ground. <laughs> now Luke Cunningham got two goals in this game. He got the shorthanded goal and also a goal later in the third period to get the go-ahead goal. And I know you wanted to talk a little bit about Luke Cunningham, but uh, you know he's on pace for probably uh, twenty goals this season, and he's only twenty-two years old, so he's got to be playing well, right? Let's uh let's talk about that maybe a little bit later. Ooh, a tease. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll get right into that third line stuff right after this pause. We're going to take a short break and we'll get right into that. Uh you are listening to Locked On Wild. And we're back on Locked On Wild. I'm Joe. We're here with Tony from the Athletic Minnesota and uh we he teased about some uh, some big stats as he's going to drop on Luke Cunning, and I mentioned before the break, Tony, that that Cunning was on pace to probably hit about twenty goals this year, and which is obviously going to be his career best. But um, at twenty two years old, that's pretty promising. So he's got to be playing well, right? Um, I, I think that is up for some debate. I think, uh, no doubt, you you want to see your twenty two year old player, you know, put up twenty goals. Uh, on pace for another 20 assists, so a 40-point season. That doesn't sound like a ton, right? 40 points, but I, I looked today for an article that I'm working on. Uh, how many under-23 Minnesota Wild players have hit the 40-point mark? And do you want to guess? Uh, do you want to guess how many? Um, in a in a Wild uniform, of course. Okay, so probably I don't even know where to begin. Probably eight. Uh, half that. 
Oh, oh, wow, I was way off. Okay. Last one to do that was Mikhail Gramlin in his age 21 season. Uh, that was in uh, that was in 2013, 2014. That was his first uh, full season. Uh, this team is bad at drafting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you can say that again. And then uh, then you have Marion Gabrick, of course, mm-hmm. Pierre Marc Bouchard, and Brent Burns. Well, okay, okay. So you you like to see that point production at the same time. You look at the underlying numbers, and, and the underlying numbers really do. Uh, concern me a little bit. Okay, how so? So, uh, you're familiar with Evolving Wild's wins above replacement metric, right? Yep. Luke Cunning is, like, I think as of today, he was the 12th worst forward in the in, in the league in terms of wins above replacement, just uh, right near the bottom. And uh, surprisingly... It, it didn't. There wasn't like an area where he was excelling in. Like uh, it, they split it up into six different things. Mm-hmm. Involving Wild does, and I think an even strength offense it, where it was really bad, which kind of surprises me, right? Because you're seeing that point right. production from yeah. Cotton. Yeah, and then uh, then even strength defense not good, and no. then he was below water in I think shorthanded play, and then in drawing and taking penalties. So on the whole. You're you're seeing these uh, these numbers, and you're seeing him shoot, and you're seeing him score, and, and you're like, I like those things a lot. Well, yeah, I think anybody likes that, whether you're an analytics or you're the layman, you know. Yeah, you you and maybe uh, maybe you're seeing that you know he's maybe not good analytically, but he has the shooting talent. I mean, that would be certainly nice to see because you know you're 22 years old, maybe you can clean up the the rest of your game but you know you can't really teach shooting talent so maybe sure, yeah. that's maybe that's something we're seeing with Cunning right now but uh yeah the the overall package is uh is a little concerning to me so i tried to pull some stats prior i was trying to do some prep work you know actually trying to do some work for the podcast and i stumbled over a website called puckiq.com and what they've tried to do is try to... Are you to... sure it's Puck IQ, not Puckick? <laughs> Could be Puckick, too. Puckick.com. Yeah. They uh, they try to simplify quality of competition. Now, quality of competition has kind of fallen out with our, you know the, the, the latest generation of, of hockey analytics. You can go on Twitter and you can find so many days-long... Boring threads arguing over quality of competition. Right. So, but they try to at least simplify a little bit. They've got it into three different tiers, whether or not it's elite competition by, uh, you know, what they say is like what most people consider elites, you know, kind of a general consensus based off of any number of metrics. I don't know how sound that is, but they've got it broken down between three tiers. They've got the elite, they've got the, um, They've got the middle and they've got also grit density, which is like your fourth line gritty players, right? That rules. That's great. Good job, Puckick. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty awesome. So uh, Luke Cunnan is actually on the ice against elite competition the most out of any player on the wild, according to this. Hmm. If you go by quality or the competition of time on ice, Jer- Jewel Eriksson-Ack, although with lower minutes because he has played less games, 
got uh, more percentage against competition in uh, on the wild as well. He, so it's, it's, it's funny how you say this. Like, so Jules Erickson, Jordan Greenway, and now Marcus Felino, right? To, yeah. The, the, the four of the, I'm sorry, the three of the four guys that make up that third line that has been really solid for this team. Uh, they also have a metric on here called uh, danger Fenwick for and against ratio. So it's a percentage. Erickson Eck, Jordan Greenway, and Marcus Felino are all well over are all over 50% with with um Greenway well over 50% at 55. And Green and um Jules Erickson Eck and Felino coming in at 50.70 and 50 50.90. Luke Cunning is below 50%. And I don't know how that happens when he's on when you're on a line with essentially three other players that are so very good at pushing play into the offensive zone and creating chances that Luke Cunning is not reaping the benefits of that. Now he's probably, obviously he's getting the goals, but how he's not creating more of those, those dangerous chances and, and, and being able to thwart those chances as well in the defensive zone. I just, I find it odd that Luke Cunning has that element to his game because according to this chart, Jules Eriksson is elite among the wild, uh, among wild players when it comes to quality competition. Yeah. And like, I, I don't know how much or, or, or little quality of competition affects it. I, uh, I, uh, I, I'll leave it to the, uh, the debated uh, realm and where, where people way smarter than me and way more, uh, more technically <laughs> know how than me are going to uh, are, are going to hash it out in the arena of Twitter, but I will look at uh, I will look at uh, expected goals, which are uh, are a little uh, more understandable to my uh, mm-hmm. my my tiny analytics brain, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, and and, uh, and I will point out that uh, that Cunning has the lowest expected goals generated uh, four per sixty of anyone on on the team. Which isn't uh, which isn't great, not uh, not ideal that you'd want to see that. And he's also uh, he's also below water in that he's allowing more than he's generating, uh, which uh, isn't a ton. But uh, at the same time, like this is a Minnesota Wild team that doesn't give up very many chances against at all, and he's mm-hmm. playing with some of the most elite defensive players too. He's right. playing with Marcus Felino. He's playing with Joel Erickson. Those are guys who uh, eat tough minutes for breakfast and uh, <laughs> and really go against those lines. So I don't know. Like it, it's interesting for me with Cunning because, like, on one hand, like you know, you have a guy who's on track to sell score twenty goals at the age of twenty two. Is that someone who you know you're you're not necessarily believing? in the rest of the game and, and you know there, there's a lot of rumors around at least like throughout the year there's been a lot of rumors about you know Minnesota maybe looking to sell one or more of the younger players high while they're they still have potential and prospects you know maybe maybe on pace for 20 goals get someone uh attracted to uh come in and and they you know maybe take a look at that and you're mm-hmm. able to uh you're maybe able to get one over on someone a little bit but at the other hand you know at age 22 you know, you don't know what the player is going to be. Like Granlin at age twenty-two, uh, I, I think that year everyone was like, "Oh, Granlin's a bust." Yeah and, yeah. and why are they playing him on the top line? 
Why are they trying to, to force feed him minutes? He's just not good. And later on in the, uh, his career, uh, looks like a star for Minnesota. Maybe not so much for Nashville. Did you see that Nashville's trying to officially uh, <laughs> yeah, got him I in the rumor that. mill? It's yep. it's actually kind of sad because like you know you want to see Granny do well, mm-hmm. but uh, but it's also kind of funny that uh, that Paul Fenton uh, got one over on his boss who thought he was getting one over on him. So right. uh, that was uh, that that's that's what's funny. Not not necessarily Granlin struggling. At age 22, Charlie Coyle, 11 goal forward. Jason Zucker, he's split in time on the, uh, the he's right in the I-35 Express lot at age 22. So you don't know what these guys are going to be. Right. And I know we're running short on time here now, but I just wanted to to ask you one more more thing here. Um, you've recently tweeted out that Luke Cunning may not, you're not sure what you expect in him, but he certainly is a fun player to watch. But I'm, you know, you see these numbers, you see the goals, and and just it seems like the results might be there, but the process isn't completely there either. So I'm wondering, is this maybe a situation where they rushed him to the NHL too quick? Like maybe he did, needed some more time either in college or in uh, the AHL to really kind of figure out his game, because it feels like I mean it was one and done in college, and then it was he had uh, two years in college. Well, okay, so he had two years in college. Uh, with with middling results, I mean, I thought his rook his um, freshman season was good. His sophomore season was a little bit uh, up and down. You think? Yeah, and then in like the AHL, like I think he he definitely performs well in the AHL. But do you think maybe they needed to just like let him fester and maybe go through some issues down in the AHL a little bit longer rather than just kind of rushing him to the NHL? I mean, I could see that uh, being a, a thing that uh, that could have benefited him. I'm not. I'm not one for leaving a kid in his third year of college, uh, just because you know you don't want to get to the point where they're going back for their senior year and you're having to deal with. Okay, are we going to be able to sign this guy? Are we not going to be able to sign this guy? But you know, more time in the AHL. I think. I think some kids it can actually hurt them. A little bit because I, I don't know how good of a league the AHL is for development. But yeah, I don't know. I, I, I could I could see I could see some development in the AHL or some additional development in the AHL uh giving him some benefit, but he also you know, over the course of uh three seasons and and yeah, there were there was time interrupted by the Minnesota Wild in uh in two of them. But, you know, he had about a full season's worth of AHL experience under his belt. How much more do you need? How many games do you want your your young players playing in the AHL? Mm-hmm. It's an interesting question because, you know, sometimes sometimes it benefits a player greatly. And, and sometimes, you know, you can, you can leave them there as long as you want. I mean, Detroit did this for, for years and years, right? Mm-hmm. They left all their guys in and they... I don't know if you want to say overripen, but they didn't. Uh, they didn't quite develop like you hoped. So I don't know. Like I, I think that. Uh, I I certainly think that he's with good coaches. He's with good players, and and uh, especially right now, I think uh, I think that maybe Erickson Eck and Felino being there to uh, to shore things up defensively and drive the play kind of gives Cunning maybe a little more license to do. The uh, the the things that he does that are fun like uh, shooting, uh, <laughs> scoring, 
Yeah. No, I mean, that is legitimately fun to watch. And he also, right. like, I, I like seeing him get chippy. And, and him and Eric Sinek are, are, are two peas in a pod in that, where they'll get into it with the opponents. And, and there's, a, there's a lot that I like seeing with Conan. It's just like, okay, he's got all these other things to clean up. Do you think that he's going to do it or not? If you do, then sure, yeah, hold on to him. But, you know, if you suspect he don't, uh, he, he won't. Uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe look around. Maybe see what you could get for him. Maybe you uh, maybe you put off that uh, that competitive cycle or that tiny piece of the competitive cycle a few more years. I don't know. Uh, I think we've settled that Luke Cunning is still quite the enigma, even at 22 years old. He's an enigma. Rats in a bigger <laughs> enigma. <laughs> All right. Uh, Tony, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at OhHiTony. You can find my work at The Athletic Minnesota. And then you can follow my work on ZoneCoverage.com. I recently had an article that came out about uh, trying to decipher who to trade revolving around the trade rumors between uh, Jonas Brodine and Matt Dumba. So please check that out on ZoneCoverage.com. Yeah, that'll... um, You can also follow me on Twitter at JoeBoo15. That should probably do it for today's episode of Locked on Wild. If you liked today's show, please hit subscribe so your device sends it to you every time there's a new episode without having to do any work. Please leave a review and a rating on whatever podcast service you use, whether that be Apple or Spotify or you just go to our direct link or whatever. Great. That's awesome. Uh, you can also follow the podcast on Twitter. Just look up at Locked on Wild. And like I said at uh, the top of the second segment, we do have an email account. So if you want to send in those listener suggestions, if you want to send in a mailbag question or whatever, you can get in touch with us via email. Just email us at LockedOnWild at gmail.com. That's LockedOnWild at gmail.com. Thank you for listening to Locked on Wild, and be sure to check us out every Monday through Friday to stay on top of everything revolving around your team every day.